Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Podcast. My name is Ryan Janke, and I am joined by Sarah DeYoung and Pastor DJ Lura. How are we doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. It's hot. Yeah. As we record this, it's 94 degrees outside at 11.33 a.m., and it's only going to get hotter. You know what, though? It is an exciting time right now, at least in the Fargo-Moorhead area. School is out for summer. Yes. Alice Cooper. Yes. Yep. And rights to that? Play the song? I don't know. I don't have have it queued up. Yeah, I I didn't know that it was going to come up. Can you play it for like four seconds before you have just, to pay a royalty? Just like one, one note. <laughs> School! Okay. <that's> it. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's also my favorite uh, sports team. I have I have two favorite sports teams okay. that, that I follow uh, religiously, uh, pun intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is the NDSU Bison, okay. which, who, who broke my heart this, this year. Yep. By uh, not ma- being the nine time, nine time, nine time, yeah. nine time, nine time, nine time, nine time, nine time, nine time champion. Did you if lose you track say, or was I that did. nine? If you say it into a mirror and then like flicker the lights, do they show up behind you or <laughs> like superstition? <laughs> th- th- this is your this year ended up being a, a, a building year for for the buys and they'll be yeah. back next year. Uh, but the, my other favorite team is. Really, any team that one of my kids is playing on, and the Washington da- Generals. My daughter. <laughs> they're going to beat those Globetrotters one of these days. The uh, my other favorite team is whatever one of my kids' teams are, and my daughter Addie is playing soccer for Davies High School. Yeah, and they made the state man. Mm-hmm. They're, they're at the state yep. tournament, and so got in the car. And drove to Grand Forks. Now this it's the season is usually in the fall, and this season it's been unbearably cold. So it's so weird to go to a soccer game in May. Uh-huh. And I'm sitting there in the stands and I have like a parka on mm-hmm. and snow mittens mm-hmm. and snow boots. And, and still a, shivering. And a snow cap, and I'm just sitting there shaking. Yeah, and this was how many days ago? This is like last week. week. Yeah. Because yeah. because uh, like five days ago, if you had flowers outside, you had to cover them so they wouldn't freeze to death. Exactly right. And now and it's going to be 102 today. Yep. And so last night was the first game in their uh, tournament. Drove up to Grand Forks, and it was so hot. <laughs> it, it was you know we have stupid cold in the winter. It's yeah. stupid hot, and mm-hmm. it's a, it's a swing of like 60 degrees. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, the meteorologists must be getting whiplash in oh, their yeah. necks, just, you know, whipping from one, one side mm-hmm. to the other. Anyway, so we got to go to the game. Good news is they're, they're moving on to the semifinals. Nice. We got another game today, which is fun. But so I'm driving up there with, with my other daughter, Reese, um, my younger daughter, Reese, and she lo- she's looking out the window. And usually she's not looking out the window. She's looking at the little supercomputer box that <laughs> oh, yeah. sits in her hand yep. and gives her all kinds of entertainment and teaches her all things that really matter in her life. Right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway, yep. she wasn't looking at that because it needed to be charged. So it was being charged. <laughs> so she was looking out the old school um, iPhone in car rides, the window. Did she get sick because and- <laughs> <laughs> of things swinging by so fast? <laughs> She didn't get sick, uh, but she's looking out and she discovered something that she hadn't noticed before. I said, Dad, why are all those trees in a straight row? <laughs> now, for folks who are not from North Dakota, 
Uh, our state tree is the telephone pole. Uh-huh. And actual trees are actually fences that are used to protect crops. Yeah, from the elements, the from, wind. From the wind and the sleet and the snow and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so we're driving along. And it was her, we've lived here a couple of years. This was her first real experience of being like, wait, that doesn't look right. I thought, just, I everybody thought maybe she, has straight rows of trees. <laughs> I thought maybe she was following the shadow of the car getting longer and shorter <laughs> as you go. She discovered a shelter belt. And so we got in this whole conversation about um, what the purpose of shelter belt is. And, and we started talking about farming and things like that. <laughs> and my dad was driving and he was in the car too. And dad is... Uh, a man who knows how to talk. He uh-huh. knows how to, he's got the gift of gab uh-huh. and he's going on and on about farming. And all of a sudden uh, a br- dad takes a breath and I'm finding it fascinating. Like this is really, this is really cool. I didn't know a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Are you making this up or is this all real? Right, exactly. <laughs> and Reese all of a sudden goes, dad, now I know where you get it. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, I ask one simple question and you go on and on and on. And so does grandpa. What you should have said, what you should have said is Reese, now you know where you get it. Yeah, right. (laughs) Just you wait. Just you wait. Yes, I am. (laughs) That's something else. Oh, that's great. It's funny. So we're excited. It's summertime Mm -hmm. and the sun is out Mm -hmm. and the cold has gone away and I don't mind the sunburn or the heat stroke because I was so sick of the cold. Oh man. Yeah. So we'll enjoy it. Yep. For at least a week, then it'll be unbearable. And <laughs> it's like, this is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. You got some weddings coming up. Yeah. In the misery. So I'm hoping that it cools down because I have three in a row starting next weekend in June. It's supposed to be 115 next week. That's what I heard. Are we going to go fry <laughs> some eggs on the sidewalk? Actually, I know uh, I know someone who I talked to yesterday who said he was going to do that because they have brand new asphalt. In their parking lot. Excellent. And he thought that that would really be a good conductor. Oh, I think so. Yeah. I think yep. so. So we'll see. I told him to videotape it and send it to me. We'll see if he does. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's time for for uh, 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 scientist uh, Ryan to come out and, and put together another another video of, of neat things with mm-hmm. science. You oh, freeze fried and you freeze fried an egg in winter. I did. Yep. Now we could fry fry one. Fry one in the summer. You have to try mm-hmm. the like. Do either of you have black interiors on your car? No. Oh, you got to find somebody who does. I do. And then you put cookie dough onto a baking sheet and you're like, hey. and then you bake a cookie. And more importantly, will it make my car smell like oh, cookie I dough? Oh, I bet. Oh, that's nice. Hey. Shh. <laughs> Amy Okison's car is black. With a black interior. Well, we could fry the egg right under her hood. Oh, you oh, could. No. And, and you take the paint right off. <laughs> <laughs> And then next, we're going to put bologna all over it and saran wrap it. Well, if we sprayed some Pam on there first, it should be okay, shouldn't it? You know, it'd be a real test of Pam. You know, says does nothing sticks to it, so we'll see. There you go. Well, we better not uh, do that then. Well, now we've said it out loud, so, you know, if anything happens to yeah. Amy's car, you know she's going to be Now it's premeditated. That. That's true. Rats. That's a couple extra years in jail, premeditated. <laughs> Well, moving on. All right. Your Honor, on that podcast, he clearly said. Uh, Exhibit A. Can't we we get by under the, uh, it's all for entertainment? No. 
Oh, that doesn't that doesn't no. protect you. I the, thought it that did. umbrella banner. I thought it would. Oh well. I'll check some post production on this one. <laughs> so I got a question for you, Pastor DJ Lura. Yes. Well, it's good because we happen to be in uh, Pastor DJ's house of theological, theological nitwittery. Mm-hmm. I, if you look at my sticker on my computer, yep, there it is. It's the, official. It is official. Uh, I don't. I don't know that we've we've uh, announced this before, but yeah, we've got a mm-hmm. new. A new tagline, DJ's House of Theological Nitwittery. Maybe that's the, the we'll call this, the, that's this segment from going forward oh. is whenever we get into this stuff. It's <laughs> You've entered the house. This is my house. <laughs> You're my house. What, what happens when the, when the, uh, the Dr. Reverend uh, comes on? Oh, we'll, we'll need to come up with a neat segment yeah. for him too. Okay. All right. Maybe those, maybe those uh, segments of DJ's House of Theological Nitwittery are brought to us by... By <laughs> Pastor the, Paul's liturgical sweaters. Yeah, yep. <laughs> oh, the so, possibilities. So dumb. <laughs> Endless. So dumb. Endless possibilities. All right. So this came the, up... The rabbit hole with Pastor Cross. The Warren... The Warren. <laughs> in Into the Warren with the Reverend Doctor, <laughs> Pastor Paul Cross. How'd that be? We're, the, the, oh, that boy. could go places. I think there's something to it. And then have have like the 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 mad the, the marketing, you could have the mad hatter with Paul's face oh, superimposed no. <laughs> over the top. <laughs> you got a lot of ideas over there, Ryan. You might want to hold on to a couple. Yeah. Don't want don't, you running out. Don't anybody steal that. I'm <laughs> postmarking the date of this. Copyright trademark, Dibs. Ryan Jenke. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what I was asking. Ask your question. You a question about something. Oh, yeah, I did. I did. So <laughs> this came up because on Sunday, and I misheard you. We already talked about this. Yes. But on Sunday... Uh, you announced to the congregation that as a called and ordained, I heard you say pastor, but Mm -hmm. you pointed out that you said minister. Mm -hmm. As a called and ordained minister, that you announced to everybody that their sins were forgiven. Correct. So that brought up my question about the office of the keys. Yes. The office of the keys. Which can be found in Martin Luther's small catechism. Yes. So it says here, uh, what is the office of the keys? It is the unique power which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive the sins of penitent peni- mm-hmm. penitent sinners. Penitent, yep. As Pen- compared to impenitent mm-hmm. or impenitent. Yeah, because it's and to retain the sins of the impenitent yep. so long as they do not repent. As Christ himself declares... If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the forgiveness of from any, it is withheld. That's from John twenty twenty three. Yep. So that is that is the office of the keys when Jesus gives to his disciples the authority to forgive sins or bind sins on earth. Mm-hmm. And as it is on earth, it will be in heaven. Right. So I just wanted to unpack that a little bit for people because I think that sometimes if if we don't understand that, we can sort of get into this, um, 
you know, you could get into a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden, you know, they confess a sin to you and, and you think, shoot, now what am I supposed to do with this? You yeah. know, send them, should I, we call my pastor? Should we, what, what do we need to do? Do we need to right. drive over to the church? What, what's going on here? Yeah. So how, how does somebody handle this? So um, the office of the keys is, is, is exactly what <clears throat> it says where Jesus hands over to his disciples the authority to forgive sins. Now, what does this mean? Well, so in church, we do this thing called um, the brief order of confession and forgiveness. It's where we collectively say, uh, we, God, we've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone, right? We, we, all we bring to church is a repentant heart. That's, that's what we bring to the table. We don't bring anything that, that earns us any of God's grace, um, so when we come to worship, we come with nothing, with, with hat in hand. We are beggars. This is most certainly true, Martin Luther said. And we come and we confess publicly together. Confession is really just saying who you are and who God is. And we are confessing beings. We're constantly doing it. And often we're just confessing about ourselves. How we, how in everyday life, in just the way we talk to people, we're, we're, you know, you ever heard that old saying of um, better to um, keep your mouth shut and not be shown to be a fool than to open your mouth and remove any doubt? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we do every day when we confess, when, when, we, when we talk, when we live. We confess who we are. Mm-hmm. Confession in church is saying who God is and who we are, that I'm a sinner and I need God's mercy. And so in the brief order at the beginning of worship, we collectively as a congregation confess our sins. And then the pastor is authorized in the uh, public worship to announce what God has done. It's not the pastor doing anything. It's not the pastor's judgment. And it's simply exercising the binding and loosing of sins. In most cases, well, pretty much all cases, I'm of the mind that the job of, of the pastor, especially in worship, is you don't get to pick and choose. Uh, when the sinner confesses, you are obligated to forgive. That's, that's the work. That's what Christ has called you to do. So you'll hear um, w- words like this. Um, and I had us get out of our green hymnal to take a peek at it. The one that you're talking about is what, is what I... Um, is the absolution that was used on Sunday. It's known as the unconditional absolution. It means there's no strings attached. There's no, you need to go and do this, this, this before this promise is announced. It's just simply announcing what Christ has already judged to be the case. All you're doing is delivering the goods. You're delivering over the promise. And it sounds like this. It says, Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for us and for his sake forgives us all our sins. That is a general statement, mm-hmm. right? Yep. It's not It's not speaking to Ryan or Sarah or DJ. It's just saying, this is how it is. Everybody within earshot. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll notice the key language is the word us. Mm-hmm. It speaks about God, what God has done yep. in giving his son uh, so that uh, uh, we can be forgiven us all of our sins. Yep. The, the forgiveness has not happened yet. It's just a general statement. This is why Jesus came. Mm-hmm. 
And this is what God is doing. Yep. It's almost like saying, are you ready? Yep. The next line is where it becomes personal. Okay. And it starts with this claim to the authority to do it. Mm-hmm. And the reason for this is not for the sake of the pride of, of the speaker, but it's for the sake of the faith of the hearer. Okay. Because there's something very offensive when someone just ups and forgives you of your sins. It's why we do things like when someone says, I'm sorry, what, what do we say most often to them? What are you sorry for? Well, it's Sarah's, fun. Sarah's fun. ready to turn the knife. <laughs> yep. yeah. Rather yeah. than forgiving them, oh. rather you know, if you got to okay. make them repent a little bit more, you usually say, it's okay, or... It's fine. It's fine, or don't worry about it. Yep. Yep. Those are all fine statements, and they make us feel good about ourselves, but they don't actually forgive you, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, it's why in confirmation, we encourage parents to learn to practice the office of the keys. Their relationship with their kids, they're their first and primary preachers mm-hmm. of the gospel. That when your kids mess up and they say, I'm sorry, don't just say, don't worry about it, or "or <laughs> you should be. is uh, you know, really, really putting the law to them. My, that was what my mom said to me when I was a kid, and I'm still scarred by it. I did something wrong. I'm sorry, Mom. You should be. I don't know why you wouldn't be. Ugh, right. Just calling it like it is. Um, but rather than saying, it's okay, or, um, you know, don't worry about it, that parents learn to say, I forgive you. Because Jesus gave that authority to his followers. I forgive you. And you want to be really bold, you say, I forgive you in Jesus' name. Right, mm-hmm. if someone can, if 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 you rear-ended me, mm-hmm. and I got out of the car and I'm like, what in the what what what's going on here? And you came, you're like, oh man, I'm so sorry. If I turned to you and I smacked you on your head and I said, I forgive you of all of your sins in Jesus' name, you would probably run away in fear or be like, dude, I said I was yep. sorry. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm getting back in the car, <laughs> lock the doors. And so you have you. It, it's it's. In the public sphere, it's finding when to use the absolution. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther called this learning to hear the creature waiting. Um, in the in public worship, the pastor is authorized by the congregation to announce this good news. And it sounds like this. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ, and by his authority, again, it's not. I'm not standing up front saying, I'm the pastor and I've judged rightly concerning you. It's saying... I'm just announcing what, what I've been called to announce by the people of God mm-hmm. in your midst. And so it's a it's a promise you can take to the bank. You can trust me. Okay. That's what the office does. Mm-hmm. It's rather than like on the street. I'm still a pastor, but if I smack someone on the head who rear-ended me, uh, they'd probably freak out because they don't understand the office that I was given. And in that circumstance, I'm not called to public uh, confession in my office of pastor. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by office, the role that I'm placed in by the people of God. Okay. So you say, as a culminating minister uh, of the church of Christ and by his authority, mm-hmm. I therefore declare to you the forgiveness of all of your sins. It's it's declaring, it's announcing what Jesus has judged. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's what happens in public worship. It's not like the pastor is the one who is making a judgment on you. Right. But the forgiveness of sins is the keys that Jesus hands to all of his disciples. Uh And so where does this happen in in like Ryan's day-to-day life? 
Well, what are those vocations that Ryan has been called to where he is to exercise the keys? It may not be in public worship because that's where you use this language as a mm-hmm. called and ordained minister. There's a, there's absolutions to be used by a, a non-called and ordained minister, like the one right below it that says, in the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. It's always important to get to the for you. It's got your name on it. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. That's, that's an exercising of the office of the keys that doesn't have to be limited to a called and ordained minister. Okay. But where is it used? It's used in public worship. Um, if, if you got rear-ended by me mm-hmm. and you got out of the car and you're like, what in the world just happened? And I'm like, oh, man, I'm really sorry. And you're like, hold on a second. And you reach in your back um, seat and you pull out the green hymnal and you looked at me and you said, in the mercy of Almighty God... Jesus Christ was given to die for you and for his sake forgives you all your sins. Mm-hmm. I might look at you like you're banana sandwich. Dude, I said I was sorry. Exactly. <laughs> so this absolution is used in public worship. Okay. That's the form. That's what people are expecting. That's learning to hear the creature waiting. Mm-hmm. In your day-to-day life, it may sound more like this. You got a buddy, you got a friend, you got a kid. Mm-hmm. You're sitting around the kitchen table. Yep. They, ha- they trust you. They have a relationship with you. Yep. The roles are understood. And they confess something to you. Mm-hmm. People may not realize it, but once a person confesses something, they're seeking something. Mm-hmm. Often in, in, in public interaction, if a person's not ready to confess their sins, the absolution is not going to comfort them. It's going to be wrathful to them. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be offended by it. But learning to hear the creature waiting is recognizing the people in your life that God has called you to serve that love you and trust you and you have a relationship with. They're going to be confessing things to you from mm-hmm. time to time. Like I said, parents and kids. That's the best time to exercise the keys and say to them in one of two ways, you know, Jesus loves you. And he forgives you of all of your sins. Mm -hmm. That's a perfectly fine um, absolution. Mm -hmm. But so is this one. You know what? I forgive you. Mm -hmm. There's power in that. And you are given that authority to exercise it in those realms where God has called you to be in relationship with your neighbor. So it may not be in public worship. Mm-hmm. And it may not be in the office of pastor, but it's in the office of minister that you received in your baptism to love your neighbor and to use the absolution in those moments. And here's the thing about it. When you absolve someone of their sins, they're absolved of their sins in God's eyes as well. Because mm-hmm. that's what Jesus promises. What you forgive on earth will be forgiven in heaven. Yeah. So any questions with all that? Did I get at the heart of what you were wondering about with? Yeah. Do you have any? Any no, questions? I think that makes sense. Yeah. I just wanted to to uh, go over that because it may happen in people's day-to-day and they don't know, I don't know how to handle this mm-hmm. or, you know, what, what you know, at a loss for words right now, like, what should I, what should I do? What can I do? So it's okay for me to, you know. I'll tell you a little story and I don't know, I don't know the accuracy of this story, but it's about a famous person. Okay. And it was a story told to a seminary class by one of my mentors and teachers, um, uh, uh, Dr. Gerhard Ferdi, may he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. 
And he's in a class of seminary students, and they're talking about handing over the gospel. They're, they're talking about the absolution. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that in, in, in your third year of seminary, seminary is four years in Lutheran circles, and in your third year, you go on what's called the internship, where you basically go and learn all the stuff you should have learned in the first two years, and you come back the fourth <laughs> year, and you cram it all in like, I need, I need answers to these questions. Yeah. <laughs> in his class was a senior student who had been on their internship and had been serving a church um, that just so happened to be uh, picked as the site for a Woody Allen movie. And in that time, this seminary student got to know Woody Allen and mm-hmm. discovered that he's, he's um, I, I don't know his faith, I don't know a whole lot about him, and, and he could very easily disavow the story. I'm just telling you the story that I have heard. Mm-hmm. Um, very well written, uh, very theologically minded Woody Allen. Um, I think he's an atheist. I think his, his background is, is Judaism, okay. faith-wise. But... You know, he uh, the the seminary student and Woody Allen would get in conversations. And they were they were trading books and and talking about God and and then one day, in their conversation, Woody Allen said, "You know, I really, I really envy you Christians. I wish I had faith like that." And Gerhard Ferdy said, "Oh, now it's getting interesting. What did you do?" And the student said, "Well, what could I do? I mean." this is a powerful person and, and this person, he knew all the theological books that I knew. He knew all about, you know, God that I did. What could I have done to him? And, or what could I have, have said or done? And Gerard Ferdy said, well, I don't know. You could have said, looked at him and said, hey, Woody, are we just uh, shooting the breeze here or is that a confession? Mm-hmm. Because if it's a confession, I got some good news for you. And then you take your hand and you place it on top of his head. You smack him on the forehead and you say, I announce to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins on account of Jesus Christ. Receive the Holy Spirit. Go in faith. And you just hand over that faith that he said he wants. And the student said, wow, that's, that's, that's really bold. Mm-hmm. And Gerard Ferdy's answer was, that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Just go smack people on the head and tell them they're forgiven in Jesus' name. When you hear that confession. For a second, I thought you were going to tell the story about Phil Collins when he sang In the Air Tonight when the guy was out in the crowd. What are you laughing at? What's so funny? Phil Collins in the air tonight. (laughs) Haven't you ever heard that story? Yeah. Is that an urban legend? I don't know. (laughs) Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I do not know. You know what he's talking about? I I think I do. Okay, spill the beans. Well, in in his song, In the Air Tonight, it's about seeing somebody. I think it's In the Air Tonight, isn't it? Probably. He sees somebody. It's either that or the Tarzan soundtrack. That's all I know of Phil Collins. <laughs> I like the Tarzan soundtrack. Let me make Son sure of Man? Mm-hmm. That's a great song. Let me see if that's the one. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, it's. So in, in the song, he sees somebody do something t- terrible. And then uh, the urban legend was that, that he sang it for the first time. He had it just waiting in his back pocket until the person showed up at one of his shows, and then he sang it, and they were they were outed there. Is that right? Yeah, but I mean, that's a. a, a, a I think I think Phil himself has said that's dumb. <laughs> Never happened. 
So I thought maybe that's where you were going. No, that's not where I was going. Yeah, yours was a whole lot deeper than that. I, I, the gospel is bold, and the mm-hmm. gospel will call you to name the things of God for the person who needs to hear it. Mm-hmm. And part of following Jesus is being bold enough to do it when those opportunities come, Yeah, regardless of embarrassment, regardless of anything. What we don't do is, well, if you just straighten up, Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Wag our finger at him. Yeah, mm-hmm. get get better. You should be. Yep. <laughs> what are you sorry for? You're gonna be sorry. <laughs> Wait till your dad gets home. You, you come with you come with the absolution. You come with the goods and mm-hmm. and uh, and bring Christ. Yeah, and and uh, and Martin Luther in the small catechism cites two two separate verses where Jesus uh, uh, gives the gives the goods as you say. Yeah. Uh, John 20, verse 23, and Matthew 18, verse 18. Yeah. So there you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. I thought Office that'd be of a good the keys. One. Yeah, I thought that'd be a good one to, to, to for people to put in their toolbox. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Publicly, the Office of the Keys is given to ordained ministers by the people of God, uh, trusting that the Holy Spirit has called them into that role. Mm-hmm. Privately, it's given to all Christians in their relationships. Cool. All right, there it is. Hey, guys. I want to take a minute to highlight a great organization you should know about, the Next Step ND. Abuse, abandonment, poverty, and neglect leave thousands of people hopeless after being trafficked. After shelter care, these victims have a long road ahead of them. Once on their own, many experience depression, suicidal thoughts, and are vulnerable to entering the sex industry again. For most, safe employment and higher education remain out of reach. Without an advocate, there is little hope for them. The Next Step ND is here to bridge the gap and meet the needs of those who have been trafficked or have been affiliated with human trafficking and are looking for long-term healing and restoration. To learn more about the Next Step ND or how you can support the work they do, visit thenextstepnd.org or check them out on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube by searching The Next Step ND. And now, back to the show. So now, now we're leaving the house of theological nitwittery, and we're going back to our controversial Bible verses. <laughs> dun, dun. We didn't talk about which one, which one we want to do, or did we talk about which one? Is, well, is it Deuteronomy? They keep changing them, so I let's know see. What's, that's what's because, the next one on the list. Well, the next one that I have on the list is Deuteronomy twenty-two verses twenty-eight and twenty-nine. Ooh, yeah. Was that the one that you were prepared for or not? Yeah, this is this is the one. So, oh man, you see the picture on it with you know, yeah. with the, you know with what cracks the mask? me up about that? Have you ever seen anyone wear a mask like that? Like, I know it's supposed to be a bad guy who's who's a, a hoodlum, a troublemaker, mm-hmm. but I mean, so for those who can't see anything right now, it's it's a it's a, a black black face mask, a ski that, mask. Yeah, it's a ski mask. Yeah, but I've never seen anyone wear one of these things as a ski mask. Like, oh, you're talking like if if you're out at at uh, at the slopes, uh, or, at the slopes, or, somebody wearing that, right? No, I think there's kind of that uh, that that sort of. Uh, well, I can't wear that. They're going to think that I just got yeah. back from robbing a bank. <laughs> it's only yeah, it's only mm-hmm. used in that in that in that. It's kind of like, have you ever ever seen um, a big sack of money with a with a dollar sign on it? <laughs> yeah. You have? Oh, oh, like yeah, in no, real just, life? No, uh, no, I have not. I have. <laughs> you have? have? Really? When I worked at Target, that's like 
Is that what they have? Secret of the trade is like what brings all the coins out is like a burlap bag that we thought it would be funny. So we drew a dollar sign. Oh, you guys did it. Okay. It wasn't like sewn in or something like I just, I I thought it was a bunch of like 20 somethings thinking they were funny. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, anyway. No, I've I've never, I've never seen that. Um, I bet you if you flag down one of the uh, armored cars, they probably have just those bags on hand. (laughs) You know, they transfer the money into them. Now, now I realize so know what's in them. I realize we're going down the ditch here now. <laughs> yeah, but it, to go along with that, uh, I never understood the idea of the the pantyhose over the head, right, for, for robbing a joint because you can still, I mean, you can tell. Isn't that Charlie? You, you can. <laughs> That's Charlie robbing that bank. You know, exactly. So yeah, I don't maybe maybe you can only do yeah. that in, in a larger urban. Yeah, it's area. kind of like. Um, Home on the Range. Have you guys seen that movie? Nope. It's Disney. I've heard of it. I've never even heard of it. There's a, well, so it's basically about this like guy in the wild west who like steals herds of cattle by yodeling. It's a really good movie. By yodeling? Yeah. It's funny. Brian, you might like it, but basically he has like three Tweedledum, Tweedledee sidekicks that are pretty low bar Mm -hmm. and he has this disguise that he goes because then he'll like buy the land and for like cheap. So it's like, oh, here's me with a mustache. Here's me without a mustache. And his, like, three sidekicks are like, where'd you go? What happened? I, that's what I imagine, like, when people put on the ski mask. Or the yeah, that could be. Or it's kind of like, how did Lois Lane, in 50 years of being, you know, the top-rated Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter, not be able to tell Superman from Clark yeah. Kent? Or put two and two together that yeah. she's never seen Clark right. Kent and Superman in the same room. Take the glasses off, Superman. Put them back on, yep. Clark Kent. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, never put two and two together with that one. No. Um, rather daft, that Lois Lane. Or, or, or Jimmy Olsen, who's taken a thousand pictures of... Superman and has probably taken a thousand of Clark Kent because he mm-hmm. it seems like a guy who takes pictures of all of his friends. Mm-hmm. Never put two and two together. Yeah, Superman, he can never get away with that now because there's no more phone booths. That's true. Oh, and if there was, there'd probably be video footage at one of the stores where the, the phone booth is sitting. Is he spinning around? Yeah. yeah. What's going on in there? <laughs> it's kind of like Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You notice that you never see Spider-Man outside of any city but New York City because it's not like Spider-Man could operate in Fargo. Oh, no. There's no tall buildings to <laughs> that's, swing from. That's true. So, uh, He's got the U.S. Bank Plaza now. <laughs> just the one just bank one. swinging around. <laughs> A couple of years ago, we went to New York City and we parked, in, we parked on Staten Island and took the ferry across over to Manhattan. And uh, our friend in... Pennsylvania. One of our friends in Pennsylvania convinced Haley that that was the actual ferry that uh, that was ridden in um, in Spider Man. I haven't seen that particular uh, movie, but so she was excited that this is the one that. Hey, whatever, whatever yep. gets the kids excited, mm-hmm. that'll do. <laughs> All right, what were we talking about? Oh, uh, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Do you want me to read it? Or are you reading it? Um, you can read it. Okay. Yeah. Or uh, Sarah wants to read it this time. Yeah, for those keeping track at home, it's Deuteronomy chapter 22, <laughs> verses 28 and 29. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to read the one that they have on here, and then you, is it same as ESV? No, it's it's okay. different. It's yeah, different. you can read it how you want. Okay. Yeah, however you want. Well, I'll read it off of here, and then we can compare to what it says. Again, this is off of the Ranker, um, most, Ranker.com most controversial Bible verses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So they have it saying, if a man is caught in the act of raping a young woman who is not engaged, he must pay 50 pieces of silver to her father. Then he must marry the young woman because he violated her and he will never be allowed to divorce her. I can see why that's controversial. Just well, the poor young woman's yeah. got the... Not, not only it's are you too, only going from bad to worse, it's silver, it's, but it's, it's right, even, and you're stuck with them. Yeah, it, it's even more harsh if you read the ESV. Oh no! Yeah, well, let's uh, do that, shall we? 22? If if a man meets a virgin who is not betrothed, betrothed, and seizes her and lies with her, and they are found, then the man who lay with her shall give to the father of the young woman fifty shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife because he has violated her. He may not divorce her all his days. Right? Yeah. It's, Sheesh. So what, What? Uh, yeah, I know some people are kind of like, it's so obvious. So what are the controversial things that you see in this verse? Go ahead and name them. <clears throat> well, the, uh, uh, the man raped her and uh, now she's stuck with this clown. Yeah, that's a starter. That's a starter. Yeah. <laughs> and that you only have to pay 50 pieces of silver and you basically get away you with it. You can buy out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Buy out of it? Out of what? Did you say buy out of it or did you I? You did. Oh, I said buy out of it. Did I? Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah you, you can, uh, uh, you can, yeah, pay the dad and it's like, okay, well, I guess you got my daughter now, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. It's like a lose, lose, lose. Yeah. Yeah, for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, <clears throat> It's one of those verses where, again, we got to look at it and be like, okay, is this a word for me? Mm-hmm. Or is this a word for a culture a long time ago? And what is God doing? So this verse is in a whole section in Deuteronomy. Again, Deuteronomy is, is where we hear the Mosaic Law. It's in the books of Exodus, mm-hmm. Numbers, uh, Leviticus, yep. and Deuteronomy. That makes up the... The Torah, mm-hmm. four out of the five books in, in what's known as the Pentateuch or the, the guide, the teaching. Mm-hmm. And this is Mosaic law. This is the laws of the land in ancient Israel after 1446 BC. Okay. And um, it's hard to tell the difference, but everything in the law is a mixture of, of God's eternal law, what we might call the Ten Commandments, and a whole lot of yeah buts mm-hmm. about how to understand how to apply God's intentions within the culture at that time. And so we got a couple things going on. Um, it is not a democratic republic where there has been women's suffrage, um, and it has no concept of romantic love as the basis for marriage. Okay. Okay, so just to go there first, mm-hmm. just one point I want to make, and then we'll get into what the scripture says. This is a cultural deal now. Yeah. The, what I'm about to say is a cultural deal, and mm-hmm. why when we look at this, this looks so wonky. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Not getting rid of any of the bad stuff. Right. This, you just, this is how it was at the time. Yeah, because yep. the stuff in here is bad. Right. The idea that a woman and a man would choose them choose to be married out of intense affection for one another and want to start a, a family in a in a romantic sense mm-hmm. is a fairly modern concept for most of human history marriage takes place through a contractual um 
relationship that is decided by the parents arranged of both marriage. parties, yeah. yep, rather than the youth. Now, why we've gotten to the point that we have is there's been for about 400 years a, a, a liberation mm-hmm. that even Martin Luther talks about of when two young people, a young man and a young woman, have feelings for each other and want to get married, that parents probably should support that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, still have the final say because they they have um, they have some skin in the game. Right. In ancient Israel, this is especially the case because um, you had the the promises of God given to not just one person or one family, but tribes of people with lineages. And there's there's all kinds of laws in here that talk about like like we talked about uh, uh, leverite leverite marriage, mm-hmm. and it's about carrying on the family line. Okay, so what you have in this section is is laws or or yeah buts concerning violations of um, the Ten Commandments in the form of of sexual relations mm-hmm. and and sexual immorality. And so just to read a little bit into this section, because it's always good to get the context. Yep. We got to read the verses beforehand as well. Okay. Um, now, again, I'm going to share the tools in the toolbox, tools in the toolkit, when coming up against a scripture text that you find difficult. I was mentioning this to Ryan because I'm trying to make this as clear as possible. Um, there's, there's, I don't know if there's one term I've been making very clear, um, but there's two things to understand when opening up the scripture. Uh, there's going to be <clears throat> a message that you hear that's based on faith. This is known as the internal clarity of scripture. And then there's the external clarity of scripture. In other words, scripture is not trying to say something that it's not saying. It, it's it, it's not trying to, to fake you out. Um, what the words say, it, it, it means what it says. Mm-hmm. But to understand the what it means, you have to look at the context. Mm-hmm. Um, who was this written for? Why was it written? What was the purpose of it? Rather than looking at it with our 21st century lens. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the external clarity. It's what I've been talking about. The scripture has a plain sense. Mm-hmm. The internal clarity starts in a different place. And that's where we get these other tools that when we go to open up scripture, understand that scripture proclaims Christ. Maybe not any every single individual verse, but the overall narrative, the the internal narrative of scripture. Right. If you pick one verse, you're going to be like, where does this proclaim Christ? You right. have to take it as a whole. Right. We're, we're talking about rape here. Where does Christ come in right. in this mess? Yeah. Um, but the entire move, the narrative of it moves in that direction. Mm-hmm. The internal clarity of scripture comes from a place of faith and it's the Holy Spirit working on you. And the Holy Spirit's going to work on you proclaiming Christ. You're going to hear it as either law or gospel. It's going to convict you or you're going to be comforted by the promises of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, those two, uh, those are the first two principles of the internal clarity. The third one is uh, scripture interprets itself. Mm-hmm. And as scripture interprets itself, it also interprets you. And here's where I come back to that. Another important point that you can't stop reading scripture and think that, okay, the Bible's okay with rape as long as the rapist pays for the person. Right. And then that person is stuck with that jerk for, well, or a much harsher word than right. jerk. Mm-hmm. Right. 
uh, monster right. um, for the rest of their life. What is that? Well, understand that Scripture is a lot more than page 313 in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And Scripture interprets itself. It'll tell you when it comes to an end. And the Levitical Code... The, the, these laws do have an expiration date. Again, I'll, I'll point out the date I always pick. It's 587 BC. It doesn't mean that all the principles that are laid out in the law don't continue. It just means that the yabuts have come to an end. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And the New Testament is going to give insight as to what expectations continue and which ones have been done away with, such as the eating of kosher foods. Mm-hmm. This is not no longer a sign of your holiness before God. Uh, you can wear clothing with multiple fabrics. It, it's not a separation thing between the priests and the laity, which is what it was. That's why that command was given originally. Mm-hmm. Why is this command given originally and what can we take from it? Okay. So now, um, now we look in the context and the, the last point that I, the, the fifth tool in your toolbox is to trust that the Holy Spirit is working through the scriptures to call, gather, enlighten, and sanctify you, the reader, and therefore you can trust it. That's That all makes up what's known as the internal clarity. The external clarity is scripture says what it says. It means what it means. It's figurative when it's figurative. It's literal when it's literal, and the context will tell you how to understand that. Mm-hmm. Does that help to make sense of me repeating this stuff every week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so this whole section is about violations of of um, another person's rights and personhood through sexual aggression of some kind. You have way back in verse 13, if any man takes a wife and goes into her, then hates her and accuses her of misconduct and brings a bad name upon her saying, I took this woman and when I came near her, I did not find in her evidence of virginity. I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit. So what this is is if a this isn't um, this is this is a husband and wife coming together, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they have their wedding night, and after the wedding night, the husband is like, "She's she's not what was promised. She's not she's not uh, virginity was considered a very sacred thing, mm-hmm. especially for women. It wasn't equal between men and women in this time in history in this culture." And so the many of these laws are there to protect the integrity of the woman. Mm-hmm. Even strangely, the one that we're talking about. Okay. Okay. So, so in this tech context, you get this part and it goes on to say, if this is the case and some, some schmo says this, the parents of the girl are to breathe, bring in the proof of her virginity, which is uh, uh, the sheet that they consummated their wedding on the night before because if she's a virgin there would be stains to prove that Mm -hmm. okay i don't want to get too graphic or anything right well why is that it's to protect the integrity of the woman and the family from shame and harm because if she's because it then goes on from there and it talks about um there's going to be a penalty to this man. If, if you can prove it, that the woman was a virgin, then the elders of that city shall take the man and whip him. And they shall find him a hundred shekels of sil- silver and give them to the father of the young woman because he has brought a bad name upon a virgin of Israel. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's to protect the, the family and it's to protect the young woman um, so that she's not shunned or expelled from the community or 
what have you. Because there was no Social Security. There was no Medicare. There was no Medicaid. There was no welfare. Your continued livelihood, especially for a woman and for children, was the, the protection of the family of um, the husband. Uh, property usually did not pass to women. And if you were a woman and your husband died, uh, hopefully there's family to take care of you. Otherwise, you are basically the walking dead. The, the mm-hmm. entire story of the book of Ruth goes through that danger. Okay? Mm-hmm. So it's, anyway. So that's your homework. Everybody go read Ruth. <laughs> Uh, but it goes on. So um, it goes on with this kind of stuff. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, and he shall, she shall be his wife. He may not divorce her all his days. Then it goes on, though, but it says, but if the thing is true, that the evidence of virginity was not found in the young woman, then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones because she has done an outrageous thing in Israel by whoring in her father's house. Mm. So there's that danger as well of protecting against women having to sell themselves in order to survive, in order mm-hmm. to live. And I know that may, may sound counter, counterintuitive, but this law is actually to protect the, 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 I don't know if purity is the right word, but the, the honor of the woman. Mm-hmm. And so the, the crime is so is is so scandalous that death is is labeled up as as the, the punishment. That doesn't continue into the New Testament. There, you know, Jesus is the one who who goes to the woman who's about to be stoned for found to being in an adulterous relationship. The the penalty for adultery was death. Jesus says, Which one of you is without sin? You cast the first stone. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. Jesus shows mercy and removes the, the penalties for these things. He doesn't say adultery is not a sin because it is. Right. But the, the solution is not the death of the person. It's repentance and mm-hmm. forgiveness. Um, it goes on. Uh, if a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman. Why is that? Because it takes two to tango in that scenario. And it's about protecting the, like it says, so you shall purge the evil from Israel. Sin for, for Israel was not just an individual slight. It was, a, it was a communal slight because God's promise to Israel was, if you keep my commands, I will be your God and you will be my people. Um, but if there's sin that's being committed individually, it will become a collective sin and so on and so forth. And then I will have to cast you out of this land just like I cast Canaan out before mm-hmm. you. Okay. Um, now it goes on and adds another yeah, but. Well, what about this? If there is a betrothed virgin, I love that word betrothed or betrothed. Yeah. Back in the day when people would get married, they would um, plight their troth or plight their troth, you know, to betrothed. Mm-hmm. Think about the word plight. What does plight mean? Um, uh like suffering or... or um. If you look it up, it's something like a dangerous or... Um, uh, how does a, it put it? A dangerous, difficult, or otherwise unfortunate situation. Yeah. Yep. Can you think of anything more plighting than marriage? <laughs> That's what I think of when I hear that. And troth or troth means 
your truth. You know how people like to say, well, this is my truth. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what truth, you know, there's Mm -hmm. the truth. There's, there's empirical truth. But when people talk about my truth in marriage, that's what you're, you're trothing. You're, you're, I'm, I'm truthing all of myself. I'm, I'm plighting all of myself to you. I'm entering into this dangerous situation or condition. Unfortunate. Unfortunate condition we call marriage um, with all of me. And my truth is the good of me and the bad, not just the good. That's marriage. It's kind of beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. So it says, uh, if there is a betrothed virgin, and at that time, as soon as you were engaged or betrothed, you were by all rights legally married. And there were rights protecting the woman as well as rights uh, protecting the man and their honor and so on. If there is a betrothed virgin and a man meets, even though they haven't consummated the wedding yet, that's the virgin part, and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of the city and you shall stone them to death with stones. Why? Notice the language. They're in a city. Mm-hmm. And a man lies with a woman. Mm-hmm. They're both to be stoned. Why? Um, if you read on, it says, the young woman, because she did not cry for help, though she was in the city, and the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife. What is the implication for the woman there? She was lying. That, that mm-hmm. it wasn't rape. Mm-hmm. That she wasn't forced. This was consensual. Right. And therefore, it's, it's adultery. And that in ancient Israel was uh, uh, a death offense. Mm-hmm. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. That's what, you know, this keeps saying. Right. All right. Now we're getting closer to where we're at. But if in the open country, a man meets a young woman who is betrothed, betrothed, and the man seizes her, another word for that seize there is rape, seizes her and lies with her. Uh, and their lie means to have relations. Mm-hmm. Then only the man who lay with her shall die. Okay, see how this is now protecting the woman's honor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you shall do nothing to the young woman. She has committed no offense punishable by death. The, what's the difference here? In the open country, uh, this is a case like that of a man attacking and murdering his neighbor because he met her in the open country and though the betrothed young woman cried for help, there was no one to rescue her. So it's assumed in the open country that the woman would have cried for help and therefore no dishonor had come to her or to her husband or to their family Um, because it was a violation of her. And so this law is to protect the woman in danger of being attacked by a man. Okay. Gotcha. But now it goes on to a different perspective. If a man meets a virgin who is not betrothed, in other words, not, committed to someone else and seizes her. Thus that, that seizes translation word can also be rape and lies with her and they are found. Then the man who lay with her shall give to the father of the young woman, 50 shekels of silver and she shall be his wife because he has violated her. He may not divorce her all his days. So in the context of what you've read and the things that I've said, why is this the solution to the rape? Um, it's strangely enough to protect the honor of the woman. So 
you don't have a, a you don't have like a Romeo and Juliet situation, and you don't have the the contractual connection of two families coming together through the marriage of of a daughter and a son, um, which is ultimately to the benefit of of the father mm-hmm. of the family. Instead, you have some guy taking advantage of a girl or forcefully assaulting a girl in a society where if you are not married um, and you are not a virgin, you are shunned and cast out by that society to live a life of either having to become a prostitute um, or, or a beggar or so on. The only protection this woman has is for the law to move in and force the husband to uh, force the man, even an attacker, to be a husband and to carry out the obligations that the society expects. Mm. And so it takes away uh, one of his possible freedoms, which would be to divorce. And it's not the reason why it's so offensive to us is one, because of the, the assault, but two, because it doesn't start in a place of romantic love. Mm-hmm. It's about contractual obligation between families in order to, to keep the society honorable to one another and to protect the honor more so than, than the life or the health of the people that are a part of it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I think, and this is a perfect example of why you can't just read two two verses. This is just, this is as abhorrent as it gets from a 21st century American liberty-loving mindset. Mm -hmm. But liberty was not the primary motivation in um, ancient Israel, in the culture as a whole. And much of what happens in Israel is, not unique. They have things that are unique to them that set them apart from the rest of society, but this is this is society running. Mm-hmm. It's like The Walking Dead. You ever watch that TV show? No. Yep. Don't watch that TV <laughs> show. If you can take all the monsters out of it and just think of what would society look like if it completely collapsed and every different place had to come up with its own rules with how to engage with one another, mm-hmm. it's like The Walking Dead. That's the ancient world. Okay. Where every little community decides its own rules as to how to engage with one another. Okay. This is all seeking to honor um, uh, families over and against individuals. Okay. And so that's that's one of the reasons why it's offensive, because we think of individual freedom, individual liberty as 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 the greatest value mm-hmm. in American culture, well in America. That's not the case in other parts of the world today. That's certainly not the case in places like China. Right. Where their main ethic is not liberty. If anything, their their main ethic is probably community. Mm-hmm. I would guess. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but the emphasis on family is a deep Chinese value. Right. They take care of, of the elderly. And, yeah. and your family's honor is, right. is of, of great importance. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's how it is, has been for most of the ancient world. Mm-hmm. Um, for most of the world, really. Um, the, the American experiment has changed that. Okay. With the emphasis on liberty and individual. Individual, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool. I don't like the answer, but that's the answer. Because <laughs> it just, it, it, uh, it's gross and it, yeah. it, it offends me. Right. Right? Yeah. But it's important when you read this stuff to be like, okay, so what was trying to be done? Mm-hmm. Rather than just being like, 
well, that's wrong, so the Bible's wrong. Mm-hmm. So, well, the reason you think the way you do now is because the Bible started in a place and began moving culture mm-hmm. a certain way. Right. Yep. And it took 2,000 years to get to the point of individual freedom mm-hmm. in yeah. a small part of the of the world. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Cool. You got any more questions about that? No, I. it's one of those things that, I feel like a lot of people forget that, especially in the Old Testament, it takes a lot of thinking and a lot of understanding of things. So, like, once you look at it and explain, it's like, well, yeah, unfortunately, you took the lesser of two evils of, exactly okay, you right. can either marry the the guy who did this to you or you're as good you as can dead. wait and you will be dead. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. You're as good as dead. Mm-hmm. And, and again, go read the story of Ruth. Mm-hmm. Why does Ruth do what she does? Why is there things like uh, Leverate? marriage, all that stuff. There was not women's suffrage in 1446 BC. Right. Um, There were, we're still fighting for things like equal pay, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) you still hear this stuff all the time. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack there. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. That was the word I was going to use. Yeah. You just got to unpack, which we almost need like a series after this of like truly have a segment of DJ school of nitwittery and all that of like, Theological nitwittery. Yes. Yeah. So like, oh, you're going to read this book. Here's the base. Like, here's the breakdown of what you need to know. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, your cheat sheet or exactly. your crib notes. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's so, like, good. Sneak oh, peek into great. like, okay, you're going to read this book. Well, X, Y, Z. Yeah. Start, start with this. Here are your main this. characters. Yeah. It's almost like uh, Spark Notes. <laughs> spark Notes. There you go. <laughs> Woo. All right. So we are exactly one hour removed. And 18 from, seconds. From me saying that it was, what was it, 93 degrees? 94 degrees. 94. It is now 99 degrees Ugh. at 1233. Is that right? On my side of the table, it's 98 degrees. I was going to say, we need it to drop that's one so that's I can you, uh, jam to uh, some. That's because you like two, 2,000 boy band boy bands 98 degrees well no i think it's because there's so much hot air coming from this side of the table and hitting your side that it popped it it up it it could it could be yeah (laughs) okay wrap it up Ryan. all all right uh heavenly father i was always more into in sync to be honest were you really i don't know the the curly justin timberlake hair boys jackson five man go back further jackson five okay i ruined that (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Lord, thank you for your word. Um, and God, I, I, I pray that uh, as people uh, dig into your word, that they don't knit or, uh, uh, pick and choose um, versus uh, that they would rather, um, or if they do pick and choose, that they would um, try to find context and try to um, unpack what they're reading um, and, and be able to make sense of it and understand what what it is that was going on and what it is that uh, is being said and what they're reading uh, to get a, a, a bigger picture of, of the Bible. And God, I pray that, uh, that all the reading that they do, that it would be to draw them closer to you, Lord. Um, and so, God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for Pastor DJ. I thank you for Sarah, uh, that she keeps coming in and, and uh, dealing with us. Um, and so, Lord, thank you, and uh, I pray that all who are listening will be blessed um, by what they hear here and by what they read in their in their Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. 
So this Sunday, and every Sunday we've got uh, worship services at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. That's traditional and modern. You can find them at atonementfargo.org, atonement.live, and on YouTube by searching Atonement Fargo. So for Sarah DeYoung and Pastor DJ Lura, my name is Ryan Janke. You can join us next week for another riveting episode of that podcast.